right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, episode six of episode Life Between six. the Sticks. That's right. Cody and I are back breaking down, um, I guess, what happened in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. A lot of excitement, a lot of drama. But before we do that, a uh, big announcement. Um, big pod, big uh, brands want to be with us. <laughs> Cody, uh, you, you brought a, a gift with you. Shameless plug to strategic plug to motivate thank you check them out use code cropper 15 at checkout for 15 percent off your next order and what what are they uh fitness fitness products so they have you know good detox they have the aminos they have uh what they call burn which is a they have a stimulating pre-workout or a non-stim pre-workout actually their newest product the no stim burn um i I want a tingle weight loss fat loss uh, being healthy. All right. And obviously you take it, so you I do. Get, you got yes. that going for you. I do, yeah. My uh, wife loves it too. All right. You said Cropper 15? Cropper 15 for what? 15% off your order. All right. Link in the description. We'll put it there. <laughs> uh, but we have much to get into uh, with this one. So with that being said, um, we can start with the boring game, maybe. Morocco 1, Portugal nil. Yeah, very boring. Um, Upset City. Upset City, but again, Morocco advances and does what they do best and have done best throughout this tournament, and that is sit in, defend, and hit teams on the counter. And they executed. They got the one goal that they needed and yeah. defended like hell. Um, they they did just enough. You know, I think they're down to like 30-some percent possession again. Yep. They are just um, – I think they had – Three shots on goal, but that's the same for for Portugal too. Look, Portugal waxed Switzerland, but we said at the time Switzerland were not good. Like they no. did enough to get through, but like they weren't in a tough group. Uh, Portugal looked really good for that game, but now they, they like I don't want to say they found a hard opponent, but they found a tricky opponent, and it's to the point now where they offered nothing in this one. They had 12 shots, three on target, like I said, versus Morocco's nine shots, three on target with 26% possession from Morocco. Um, they just, they they managed the game. They're hard to break down. They are. They set themselves up very well, and they play to their strengths. And this is the biggest thing for me about these sorts of tournaments these types of tournaments because if you play the you play the tournament you will be effective it's it's not about having individual stars it's about having 11 men on the field or 11 women on the field that will play their hearts out that will wear their heart on their sleeves and give you everything and morocco does that game after game after game and it's it is uh quite thrilling to watch i think it's a great a great uh thing for for africa it's a great thing for soccer it's a great thing for everybody watching this game to see these smaller countries these underdog stories come through and you know continue to find a way to advance so again just real short recap with this one right um Their manager joined up in August. They sacked their manager because Hakim Ziyech had a falling out with him. Uh, another player who I think was it is it Bayern Munich or Dortmund? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm, no, but 
the fact of the matter is like two of their better players both had falling outs with this guy and they're like well we we can't go into a major world cup without our best players if there's issues in the dressing room so this guy comes in 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 august uh he won the african champions league so he's done with a moroccan team which again you know is is an accomplishment it is uh he clearly knows how to build the team everyone bought into the system i've never as a chelsea fan seen hakim ziyash defend as much as i have this team plays for each other they work so hard um the and and they got it done against Portugal. Absolutely frustrated team. That if you look man for man, is better on paper. Absolutely. Like, even Hakim Ziyech, their Morocco's best player. Oh, well, okay, sorry. Hakimi is is probably their best player. Yeah, I would agree. He's going against Guerrero, so you give Hakimi the advantage. Ziyech against João Felix, like you are literally talking like nine out of eleven. If you want to be generous, so the Portuguese players would play over the Moroccan players. Absolutely. But you got a team. Yep. Playing and, together. and that's that's what that's what I'm trying to say is you know you go into these tournaments and you have a team of individuals or you have a team of eleven players, eleven brothers, eleven sisters who are going to wear their heart hearts on their sleeves and give you everything. I'd take the eleven over the team of individuals. First African team to reach the, reach the semifinals, obviously. Uh, a little shit hazardry going on in this one, which I thought was really funny. Um, you had. Um, let me see here. Uh, oh, where'd it go? Anyways, um, the first one I wanted to say was uh, you had the red card in stoppage time. Yeah. So Lee Chidera, he got his second yellow, a little soft. I accept that. You know, but again, like right at the very end, picking up his second caution made it a little painful for them having to defend with 10 for the last five, six, seven for minutes. For sure, but what... I think the referee is giving him a second yellow card for is two tackles in the span of two minutes. I know it's a second. The second tackle is soft. However, the first tackle is not great. And then to go in and leave your feet again in the manner that he did, although he doesn't draw as much contact as you would as you would expect for a yellow card, it's the fact that it's consistent. It's back to back. It's very quick. I. Th- Although I don't agree with it, I can understand it. All right. So then the other funny thing that happened in this one was Morocco's Jawad Al-Yamik. Um, <laughs> when Pepe missed the header at the very end, he went over and kissed Pepe's head. Oh, I didn't see that. That's pretty funny. Missing. I did. I didn't see that. That's very funny. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely funny when you see it. But he just literally walks up to him. And like gives him a little little kiss there, uh, and that's how how that one ended. Uh, obviously, there's other games that went on uh, throughout the quarterfinals. Um, Netherlands and Argentina, I thought that's was good. an extra spicy affair. Uh, Which one? Netherlands, Argentina, oh, of course. So from that yes. one, uh, obviously you've got Messi, uh, you've got the Argentinian team that uh, uh, you know got the result in, in the previous round. You know, did the business against. Uh, Australia winning 2-1, Netherlands beating the United States um, kind of comfortably. So yeah. neither team had been like overly challenged up to this point, so you didn't know what we're going to get. We got the fireworks display we did. in yeah. this one. 14 yellow cards, penalties. Um, Shithousery. Shithousery, yeah. A, a team that you thought was clearly going to be eliminated scores two goals in the final 10 minutes of the game. Well... 20 minutes of the game if you had the 10 minutes of extra time. Um, 
our stoppage time and you know just a, a whirlwind of a game a, a game that kept everybody on their toes and everybody glued to their oh, seats yeah it was funny on friday i was here watching it and my wife would text me it was like four o'clock she's like it's four o'clock on a friday like where are you i'm bored and i was like penalties yeah i'm at penalty like yeah, this game yeah. is gripping i wouldn't stay if it wasn't exciting and it was argentina you get the messy no look uh pass backwards across finding uh yeah. molina just an unbelievable pass to open it up in the 35th minute then you get to second half they get the penalty messi redeems himself from missing one of the group stages buries it like a boss and then the end it goes crazy so in the first half you and i were texting about this veghorst got a caution from the bench he was he on the bench gets caution all of a sudden he gets subbed in and for the last 10 minutes so now you have luke deong and veghorst two just tall like monsters just you know, Ashley Barnes, Peter Crouch type strikers, big, direct. They go in, get the whip the ball in, get the first header in, like smashed it, got it, goal. So you're 2-1, right? Like, here we go, here's the rush. And then they get that foul and then in the 101st minute of regulation time, so 90 plus 11. And to have the balls and the cheekiness to hit that free kick, yeah. oh, fantastic. Straight from the training ground, I can only imagine the amount of times that they worked on that, the analytical aspect of them, of the Dutch analysts finding that weakness within Argentina's setup. I mean, like you said, the balls to do that in the 101st, 105th, one, you know, whatever minute of a game it is, the balls to do that is, is quite telling of the Dutch. And at that point, I guess you have nothing to lose, so why not? I, I mean, they went for it, and my word, did they they do it. Um, but there was a lot that happened kind of in between there, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the referee was under pressure all game. Like I said, Veghorst even got a yellow from the bench. I believe Argentina had a coaching staff um, that picked up a caution as well. Yeah. It, it just it was intense. Argentina plays with emotion. We know this. The Dutch very much bought into that. So, like, Argentina goaded the Dutch into playing this emotional game, and Absolutely. it worked. And then you had the big yellow card tackle. I can't remember if it was Paredes um, or uh, – anyways, it was, it was probably Paredes at that, at that point where he kind of put in a bit of a tough tackle on the Dutch player. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't dirty. He definitely lifted his leg just yep. to make sure he tripped him. But yep. then he pops up and blasts the ball into, into the, the bench, bench of the Dutch team. For me, it's a second yellow. I've Hands never down, seen. It's, without a doubt, he should not have been on the field. Should have gotten two yellow cards. Okay. Yellow card for the tackle. Yellow card for kicking the ball into the into the bench. Is it because it was at the bench versus like if no, it were the if, other if side? If he kicks it into the stands, it's still a yellow card. Okay. In the MLS, that's happened twice, and they've both been sent off. Straight red. Straight red. Straight red for blasting it out of frustration into the stands. Yep. You can't kick the ball away. <laughs> you can't kick the ball away. In today's game, that is a bookable offense. Okay. Hands down. He should not have been on the field. I think... I, I get it. Look, this game was exploding at this point. I did like that at least... I mean, look. <laughs> that dude got roughed up. Van Dyke oh. blasted him. Yeah, so, like, absolutely. You know, I he mean, he put, his, him on his, he put him on his backside, that's he, for sure. He took his lickings, yeah. and then he had the players in front of him. He got ripped around a little bit. Yep. You know, The entire Dutch team left the bench. And I think that shows you... 
the seriousness of it and kind of like the rules of the Absolutely. game in combat. Well, there's fair play, right? Like you have to be a good or is, sportsmanship. Is there? <laughs> Sports, I, to some degree, you have to respect the other team. You can't go around kicking the ball into their bench. Didn't uh, hit anyone. Didn't thankfully. hit anyone, thankfully. Just. But this is my argument on the other side, where if he kicks it out of play, he hits a fan. You're mm-hmm. telling me that's not a bookable offense? Well, at least he wouldn't have knocked the beer out of their hand. Uh, maybe he would have. <laughs> not oh. here, it wouldn't. Uh, oh, yeah, this is true, yes. <laughs> um, and there's not that many fans there, so I probably just would have yeah. hit an empty seat. Uh, the other one, Messi, obviously handballing it, did not get a caution. Uh, shocking. Did, you, did I send you that picture of what the referee thought Messi looked like? Where he, they no. someone photoshopped his legs no. for arms? No, you did not, <laughs> but it's pretty funny. Uh, I... I I don't know. In this game, there wasn't uh, wasn't great refereeing, in my opinion. Um, I was happy he kept everyone on he the did. field. Yes, he did. There were fourteen cautions, so it easily could have boiled over and like it absolutely could have you know been this crazy thing. And what I said on another podcast is the Dutch weren't innocent by no. any means. You know, no. they they took, nobody was. And that's all I'm saying. So because I know it's easy to say, oh, South American, emotional, yes. dirty. No. I just want to remind everybody there's two sides of this, and the Dutch took their shots as well. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Van Dyke could have been yellow-carded for pushing. Oh, he did on that one. Did he get Did he get yellow-carded for that? Okay. I didn't see no, that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, okay. So there's that's, that. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, what I, and then when he got to the penalties, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> the the, the shithousery, the back and forth, the... Walking halfway up to the penalty spot with other players or that, of the other team. Yeah. That's not sportsmanship. That's not fair play. The that Dutch is, were all up in the referee. The referee should have dealt with that by booking players that were going back at him. So I was thinking about this. I, was, I have no affiliation to this game. I was nervous for the players. I was to have to stand at the spot in a knockout game in the World Cup with just like your professional career, but then all these people watching and knowing that you literally have the weight of a country on your shoulders. Oh. I don't know if I, I would have like collapsed under that kind of weight of pressure and just reminded me what these players are going through right now. And yeah. for them to execute Absolutely. at this level is amazing. Most of us on this side of the podcast will never experience <laughs> anything like that in their lives. And most of you listening out there won't. Yeah. But like... It's true. For Lautaro Martinez to actually have a bad World Cup to the point where he's not starting for Argentina anymore, to bury the fifth and final penalty after Argentina went up big and then Dutch clawed themselves back into it, to just have like the the cojones the to nerve. do that and yeah. the and the poise. Yeah. I was just so, so impressed with all of these penalty takes. I agree. And that goes with Croatia too, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I agree. And then you look on the other aspect of that, and this will be talked about later is, you know, the weight of a country on your shoulders and not yeah. not delivering Harry Kane. Yeah. So it, it just was absolutely no, just it, insane yeah. this game. It had everything. I loved it. It was the World Cup game that I wanted. Uh, Denzel Dumfries ended up getting a second yellow after it was done for yelling at the ref and got sent off. Doesn't matter. They're Doesn't out. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and, and so, again, Argentina clutching up uh, and scoring four out of their five, where, yeah. whereas the Dutch missed their first two, including Van Dyke. Yeah, well, Emmy they were Martinez. both saves. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Unbelievable. 
Um, Master of the dark arts, Emmy Martinez, I'd <laughs> say, when it comes to penalties. They... Well, he, he plays mind games, and it pays off. Not only with not only with Argentina, but with Aston Villa as well. And oh, we've, yeah. We've seen plenty of videos of him dancing and, and kind of... You know, living living his life and doing his thing, and it it pays off. He's in his own little world, and as a goalkeeper, you oftentimes oftentimes need that. So Argentina has won the most penalty shootouts of any side in World Cup competition. They've won five out of six. Spain has got four. Um, they've lost more penalty shootouts than anyone else. <laughs> Who? Spain. I was going to say, I was going to ask that question because England's got to be up there as well. Netherlands have only, uh, a lot of Euros for them. That's true. Netherlands that have true. only won one out of four. So um, the, we'll kind of see. Uh, we'll, we got more to come from, obviously, this Argentina group. You know, they went to penalties. They've got to be exhausted and shattered going after this one. Thankfully, the, the, the cautions reset, as you reminded me. Yep. Uh, so they're going to go in with no worries of suspensions at this point. Um, and, and we'll see how that kind of shakes out. The other result, though, who they will be playing is obviously Croatia. Croatia yeah. beat Brazil. I think fantastic. everybody had, at, when the draw came out, great. It's probably going to be Argentina versus Brazil, maybe Netherlands, but it was always Brazil. Like, yeah. Croatia yeah. didn't stand everybody a was ar- Yeah, everybody was arguing who's going to play Brazil. And I think this just goes to show that you can't count anybody out. And no matter you know, day to day or week to week, season to season, let alone this tournament. I mean, not only this one, but any World Cup, any, you know, professional game, you can't count a team out because anything can happen. And Croatia have found a plug that works for them, similar to Morocco, and they are playing incredible football. Luka Modric is... All over the place. He's absolutely incredible at 37 years old. I believe so, yeah. I mean, he's he's got to be the best player. In my opinion, he's one of the best players still in the tournament. Yeah, 37. Um, and Messi's 35. So you have a couple of old, old fogies. They yeah. said, I think it was the... Oh, I saw this on social. Modric scored his... F- no, no, no. Modric made his debut. debut and and Messi, Messi scored his first goal. And that was what the... It was a friendly. Like, oh, was it a friendly? I think it was and a it friendly was like, like 20 years ago. Yeah, like I think it was like 17 years ago. Yeah. Because I think Modric was like 20 and Messi was 18 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, they actually both pretty much look the same. So. They do. It's just frightening. <laughs> so look, Croatia, right? 4-3-3, metronomic, boring as hell. They know how to control the game. They don't panic. Nope. Like, well, they, it speaks to experience. They have a ton of possession. They're, like yeah. They're not rattled. They made it to the World Cup final last time. They did. Um, and even in that World Cup final, I think France only had like 37% possession and won 4-1. Yeah. So Brazil just just struggled. I think it was they the did. game plan for uh, me. Like they didn't go out and attack Croatia. I think they just kind of like were waiting for something to happen. They were trying to be patient, didn't want to take the risks that we're used to seeing. Right. I agree. They were not themselves from the first whistle, and I think that that came back to bite them in the butt. Um, Brazil in the game before was very free-flowing, was very much themselves in terms of mentality, performance, everything. And uh, 
I think they they kind of came out similar to the to the U.S. England game where England was didn't want to lose in that game. I think Brazil came out or came into this game. Okay, it's the quarterfinals. We don't we don't want to give the game away, so they sat back. They weren't themselves, and Croatia was able to turn the game on its head and and kind of put that final puzzle piece together and knock them out. Twenty one shots, eleven on target. Nine shots, one on target. Oh, well, that speaks volumes too. One shot on target in the one hundred and seventeenth minute. Well, that's really bad. And it not, went in. Not what you would expect. It, it, it look, and that's why I just say Brazil had done enough. They also once they went up, they kept then like that's when they opened up as an extra time, yeah. and they should have been defending, but they didn't. Yeah. They left themselves open. One hundred seventeenth minute, one pass killed them, and they finished. Yep. It just and Croatia experience in penalties. Well, I absolutely. I mean, they just stepped up and just absolutely just. I mean, again, boringly metronomic. They yeah. just you know what you're going to get clinical. from them. No one stands out. No one's flashy. No. Modric is a master. I mean, the way he manipulates the midfield and the tempo of the 100%. game. He can take he the dictates. Yeah, he can it. take like the momentum out of a game and just. You know, he'll grab it and he'll pull it back. They'll reset. You know, it's just the the way he manages it is is crazy. Yes. Um, positive for Brazil, Neymar now tied Pele's record of uh, all-time top goal scores for the Brazilian national team with 77. Yes. Uh, he, Pele will not live to see Neymar break this. No, and it's very sad because I think he would have been okay with that. Yeah. If Neymar breaks this in the semifinal or final of a World Cup, I don't think, you know, Pele minds his record being broken. Yeah. No, he's, uh, that said, uh, you know, uh, Pele, man. Wow. Yeah. He's stable again, which is yes. good. But and it just, you know, it's going to be a while until Neymar yeah. plays for Brazil again. And, and I agree. He's going to have to wait and see. Uh, Pens, Rodrigo missed right off the bat for Brazil. Oh. Croatia, we're 4-4-4. Four, four, four. Uh, then you get to Marquinhos, who has to make to keep it alive. Hits the inside of the post and out. Goalkeeper went the wrong way. Game of inches. Agreed. And it's also a game of decisions because Neymar should have taken the first penalty. Big discussion in this tournament is about order of penalty takers. I think you're... you're most capable penalty taker has to step up or your most confident player has to step up and take that penalty because that i understand the fifth one has the most pressure it, but as we've seen with brazil you may not get there mm-hmm. and now you leave neymar's penalty untaken what does that do that changes the entire momentum the entire picture of the penalties I mean, do you have to give the order to the referees, or can you change in real time? I, th- I actually do not know the answer to that. I'm guessing you could probably change in I'm, real time. I'm guessing you could as well. However, the decision is made right before you step up in terms of, like, yeah. before the penalties start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have why is Neymar not saying, I'll take the first one? Well, because that's the thing. If it comes down to number five... He wants to take on that pressure. I understand. But to your point, it's a game of cat and mouse because Messi took number one. Uh, I think it was Ronaldo in the Euros or whatever. He was five because he was like, I can take on that pressure. 
didn't even get to him. Yeah. And so, Marquinhos in this in this specific instance is confident he's going to step up and make the fourth one, which takes it to yeah. the fifth. He was shocked he missed. Too. Yes. But I mean, <laughs> if it sneaks in, it's a fantastic penalty. Yeah. But like you said, it's a game of inches. He hits the inside of the the post and it bounces out. Yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah. It, we'll have to see. I think everyone is going to say, look, Brazil didn't do enough. Uh, but Croatia. I don't think they did. On the other side, clearly did do enough because they are through to the semifinals. They are. So you've got two ragged teams that have played 120 minutes plus, however much stoppage time was involved. Probably um, 20 minutes. And penalties, right? So now what is interesting is you've got uh, an emotional Argentina and an emotionless Croatia. Hey, Croatia's got some dog in them, though. Like, they, yep. they'll nip at heels. They'll stick you. Eastern block in them. Yep. And so it'll be really interesting to see how these two teams match up. And they both have confidence going into penalty shootouts. So I'm excited. At I least you're getting some, um, some, you know, some gamesmanship coming out of this. Uh, we'll see. Argentina are either going to win the World Cup on emotion or emotion is going to be what takes them out of it. Absolutely. If it gets the best of them. And I could see Croatia just poking at them poking at them and seeing if they can get them to do something silly. I agree. So, all right. There's one left. One left. And this one hurts. England, France. Yes. Uh, France 2, England 1. It was the blockbuster game of the weekend. Uh, The two heavyweights taking each other on. Uh, Obviously, you've been very pro-England with your heritage. Um, Just to give you a little bit of a sense, England had 16 shots, 8 on target. France had 8 shots, 5 on target. England had 52% possession. Uh, 10 fouls for England, 14 for France. One yellow card, England, three for France. What do you think? Um, I think England was the better team. I, I love this argument. I think England was the better team. They, their expected goals ratio was higher. Have you heard of NPXG? No. Non-penalty expected goals? Mm, no. It's 0.75. Was it really? Yeah. Okay. I So I only saw the statistic of expected. Which is why? It was 2.75 or whatever it was. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. France, I think, were like a 1.25. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. However, I think England created more, more of the dangerous chances. Lloris played and played well and stood on his head. He, he really did. Hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. Right. I agree. As a Chelsea fan, there's nothing more annoying than watching Not Hugo just Lurice. as a Chelsea fan. Like, I just, I don't know what it is about Lloris. I've never been his biggest fan. Me neither. And it just, yeah. However, he's, I think he tied or overtook the most uh, games for the French national team with his recent appearance versus England. As a goalkeeper or overall? I think overall. Hmm. Okay. Um, that said, uh, very emotional, very disappointed. England not bombing out of a What about Southgate's tactics and approach to the game? Do you feel like they did everything right? It was just a matter of not I think it was converting? a matter of not, yeah, not converting. They created, as what did you say, eight shots? Yeah, 16 shots, eight on target. Uh, you got to be clinical. No other team... In any of these games had that many chances, I don't think. I would say the only reason I was baiting you into the I love that argument of England were the better team is because at the end of the day, 
the only way they scored was on a penalty. I agree. And they got a second penalty. Huge Mason Mount fan. And he and I think he should have taken it. Mason Mount. I'd, I've never been, and this is an argument that many people will have. I have this a lot. I've never been a fan of the same uh, player stepping up to take two penalties in a game, especially in a knockout stage game where you know that player, if it goes to penalties, is going to take a third. So that's a good point. Messi took two. But you're saying two in regulation time. Two in regulation. And from a goalkeeper's perspective, I think you have a real advantage. 100%. You do. The, because the, the, the kicker is in their head so much more. 100%. Do I do the same thing? Does he expect me to do the same thing? Or is he going to flip? Just having that little doubt of yes. do I do the same thing or not completely gives the goalkeeper 10, 20 points in their favor. 100%. And in this instance, I think even more so because it's Loris and Kane. Why is that? Because they are Tottenham teammates. They're club teammates. Uh, and like, the amount of times that Lloris has faced Harry Kane in practice or vice versa, however you want to phrase it, I just don't think the odds would have been in Harry Kane's favor. I think Mason Mount should have stepped up, or uh, Raheem, I think Raheem Sterling was on the field at that point. I think he could have stepped up. No, no. no. Um, oh, sorry. I, I should double check, but... I think um, Sterling was. I don't think when was Rashford the penalty was. Miss? Would have been late in the game, right? It was the uh, 80th minute. Um, Ish. 80th. Yeah. 80-ish. So, I mean, at some point, you know, Rashford came on late. Jack Grealish came on with in the 98th minute. What uh, are I you mean, doing at that yeah, point? That's Raheem Sterling. Garbage time. He had subbed on, so he came on, I believe. Um it just is some interesting decisions managerially. I agree. I Saka was great. Uh, I think Henderson was an Achilles heel for them. Declan Rice was great again. Bellingham was great. Uh, but you know who else had an amazing game that honestly almost didn't even make the World Cup? Olivier Giroud. He was behind Benzema and Kunku, some other attackers. I agree. He was fantastic. He's he's played this this tournament. He's played extremely well. Look, he played in the last tournament, and they won it and didn't even score a goal. He is now on Mbappe's heels for the golden boot. Yep. And and I did not think Mbappe played well. He didn't have to. He well, was no, dangerous. He yeah, I But agree. again, like, Griezmann had a great game. Uh, and Giroud had a great game. And I think those are the, the differences for them. I mean... You had like two guys on Drew, and he still beats them to the ball on that cross from Griezmann. Um, but Mbappe, he doesn't have to have a good game. I guess what I mean is that he's so electric, and you have to give him so much respect and attention that just by him being on the field is going to like um, create opportunities for Absolutely. other players. And I think he knew that, and he's maturing a little bit to say, I want to be involved. I want to do things. But if I can drag Jordan Henderson and Kyle Walker all the way out here and create a huge pocket of space for an overload, uh, let's take advantage of that. And I think he's That's starting the, to play off the well, ball. The a selfless bit. mentality. Yeah. So, but again, Ali Giroux uh, look, left Chelsea because he didn't want to play on the bench, went to Ace Milan, won the Scudetto, uh, is having another great season there, is having, I mean, he. He, I mean, I have to double check how old he is. I mean, he's no spring chicken either. No, not at he all. He is 36 years old. Mm-hmm. So he is having a phenomenal tournament. And I'm just so happy for him as a player as well to just kind of like, yeah. you know, Benzema just won the ball door. Mm-hmm. There's no way he was, he was not going to play. play. Yeah. Uh, but just the stars align for him and he's seizing the opportunity. Yeah. 
Um, and obviously Kane's going to get absolutely blasted, I think, for missing the second penalty. I mean, if if I'm an England fan, you have to blast him because after the racial abuse that Saka took, missing in the Euros, in the Euros you better you better blast Harry Kane. The same the same negativity, the same, you know, um, you know, negative press, bad press, whatever it is, has to go that way if you're an England fan. Because you can't double you, standard. No. You can't be a hypocrite. And like, you know, he came out right away was like, Yeah, my bad, I need to do better. But like it's too late. Yeah. You know, and, like, and this is why yeah. You don't yep. get a free pass just because you own up to it. No. And you England's going to have to figure out if they stick with Southgate. You know, I think Euros 2024, is that in England? No. The, I don't it, think so. Yeah, I don't think so. It was the Euros were in England the last, That's last what it ones. Is. Yeah. So, I mean, they've had like a really, really good shot at, at you know, winning a major trophy and they, have, the last and three, they have not delivered. It's in Germany in 2024. So, anyways, England are out. France continues to survive. And, again, I, I should pull it back up. France, again, they're, they're not dominating. They had 42% possession. You know, they only had eight shots, yep. five on target. They're absorbing and, like, they're being a lot more patient than just maybe this, like, blitzkrieg, like, high-press football. They're, they're surviving in a lot of these games. Which I think are. it's a little bit interesting. Um, Especially with the players that they have on the field. Yeah. So... Uh, I mean that th- that was the quarterfinals. I, my favorite game, like I said, was Netherlands Argentina. I would agree. Um, I thought France England. We probably got to see the best football played between two teams. Um, I think so. Which is kind of why like Morocco is a fun story, but at the same time, like I want to see the biggest and best teams out there. I want to see the best football being played. Croatia very much beat Brazil, but they had one shot on target in 120 minutes. And I'm like, they don't try to create. I would have loved to see the Samba boys continue on, but that's why we play the games. And now you've got Argentina versus Croatia and Morocco versus France, which, again, Morocco and France have a very close history. There have been a lot of political games in this World Cup, and I'm, calling- I'm very interested to see this, this matchup. They're calling Morocco like the decolonizers because they're like beating countries that have colonized and France are on there too. Um, oh, but, you goodness. know, uh, Hikimi was born in Paris. There, there, there's well, a, I think it was like over 50% of their roster wasn't born in Morocco. I've always known, especially being so close, right? Like yeah. I believe Zidane is from Algeria originally. Yeah. Like there's a lot of Northern African countries, yeah. you know, that go to Europe to yeah. find, pursue better lives and things like that. And, and so, again, Morocco's going to be juiced and ready to go against France. Neither team went to penalties. They both played regulation, but they both had to defend for their lives the last 20, 25 minutes. So they're going to be fatigued as well. Agreed. Um, how, how are you approaching these semifinal games now from a tournament management standpoint? Oh, you know you can't lose. Keep the bodies ticking over. Uh, film. Recovery. Rest. And, you know, simply just going out there and, and making sure, like on a day-to-day basis leading into the game, mm-hmm. making sure that you are ready to go, ticking over, keeping your body ticking over, keeping your mind ticking over. And, uh, I mean, a lot of these guys have been in these situations before, uh, Argentina, France, and um, Croatia have been at this point in a major tournament before Morocco has not I think that they have an advantage because it'll be like a not an inexperience but like a 
they're coming into this so fresh, so like unaware of the pressures of what's occurring that I think that they might have an advantage on France. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, One thing I was thinking too, so Argentina, Croatia play on Tuesday, France, Morocco play on Wednesday, the finals on Sunday. There's an advantage for sure. Would you rather play first and have one less day of rest before the game, but one more day before the final? I think I'd rather play first. Don't even need the scenario. I think I'd rather play first. There's no pressure. You don't know who you're going to play. It, you have you less can, rest leading up to that one, less time for film. Yep. I think I would rather play first. Is that a huge advantage, 24-hour difference? It depends on who you ask. I'm asking you. I mean, if you ask me, 24 <laughs> hours twenty-four hours is a huge advantage. But I'm saying like... Especially if you go into extra time and penalties. Is it a real advantage between getting to play Tuesday versus Wednesday in the sense of like, come Sunday... Like, is there like a tangible difference of having the games played on two different days? So I'm saying if you play Tuesday and you advance versus playing Wednesday in advance, and obviously there might be penalties and extra time, like you're saying, but like just playing the 90 minutes and having one less day to recover or one more day to recover, do players look at that and be like, damn, like they're one day ahead of us? No, I don't think so. Is there enough sports science out there that it's like, you'll be ready? For sure. Uh, I think there is, and it also depends on the sports. I mean, there's good sports science, there's bad sports science, and I think it's depending on whatever your sports science is, whatever sports science is being relayed to you as as a team uh, will impact your ability to recover, to not recover, to prepare correctly. Um, That said, uh, I would prefer to go first uh, to to be that first game, have the extra day heading into the final. Um, but that's just me. So um, Argentina are looking to reach the World Cup final for the sixth time. I figure bettered only by the Germans who've done it eight. They've never been eliminated at the semifinal stage before. So if they get to the semis, they're shoo-in for the finals. Um, most recently beat the Dutch in 2014 to get their people Iguain, unfortunately, mm. letting them down in the final. Uh, and then on the other side of the bracket, the um, not Morocco, Spain. Uh, Google is sending me the wrong way. France and Morocco. So the, the fun facts on this one. France have never lost against Morocco. I think that's pretty like obvious that you would say like that, that you would assume that that would be the way. Obviously, Morocco trying to continue their first, being the first team to make it to a World Cup final, which would be wild. And then... Um, uh, no opposition player has scored against Morocco so far. The only goal they've conceded was a known goal. Interesting. <laughs> it's just Morocco are such a funny story. Uh, they're an incredible story. They've only conceded an own goal, and they're in the semifinals now. Hey. If you don't concede, you can't lose. Yeah, we'll have to see. Obviously, France have a really good record uh, if they make it to the semifinals, which uh, we all know, France 98. Uh, they, well, Zizou. I guess, yeah, Zizou with the headbutt. Zizou with the headbutt. was a little bit rough, but anyways, uh, they have a chance to continue on a, I guess, were they not the first team to go back-to-back, but first team in quite a while to go back-to-back. I think it's 60 years. Yeah, so it's like back when like Uruguay and Hungary were winning the early ones and things like yeah. that. 
So, all right. Anyways, we're out. Uh, again, go check out Motivate. Uh, Cody's got his code. Link in the description. Uh, if you're looking for a supplement, especially around the holidays, you want to maybe reset the system a little bit after all that binging, uh, he's got you covered. Uh, we'll be back, what, after the, the semifinals? Correct. Anything stupid you want to say from a prediction standpoint? Croatia to beat Argentina. And? France. I think it's going to be a replay of the final from four years ago. I'm going Argentina, France. So I'm going to go. Re- be, I'm going to go replay. That's I'm going to go replay. Another reason I don't want Croatia to make it. That's boring. Yeah. That would be wild. A I want back to I want, back. I want the same final, and I want Croatia to win. That'd be wild. Anyways, Fantastic. I don't see it. We're out. Have a great one. Hope you're enjoying the World Cup tournament as much as we are. We'll be back after the semifinals, prepping for another World Cup final. And man, can't wait for that third place game. <laughs> All right, we're out. See ya.